You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that is shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Morning, Joe. Here we are. Here we are. Pat, how are you traveling? Good, thanks. Good. Uh, Looking forward to... How about you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just back from uh, back from Sydney, so I've been up there for um, yeah the majority of the week, which is uh, it's always nice to get back on uh, back on the happy trails uh, between our two capital well, capital, I should say capitals. They should be really, but uh, our two major cities here in Australia. So yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a busy week. Brisbane listeners won't love that. That's all right. Brisbane's yeah. coming. Don't worry. 2032. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 2032. That's good, mate. So you've yeah. like, you haven't minded being in the skies again. No, 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 I haven't actually. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's nice. It's nice to kind of get moving and stuff and kind of, you know, see, um, and experience different vibes. I think that's one of the, yeah. one of the nice things about business travel is that you can, um, depending on how you choose to travel around a city and kind of where you choose to stay, you can kind of actually have a pretty immersive experience between meetings. So that has been, that's been quite enjoyable. Cool. What was the takeaway from Sydney um well it's vivid festival up there at the moment oh, so right. yeah there so kind too. of it's um yeah it's, it's cool it's happening yeah there's a bit of a vibe actually which was nice to see mm. mm. what did you see on the walls projections yeah cool stuff going on yeah. yeah no it's uh yeah like I think they're kind of um yeah, I think maybe because they didn't go through the severity of lockdowns that we did here in Victoria it's kind of like even the CBD still feels very um not like you know bursting at the seams but it feels alive whereas i think you know here in melbourne still it's uh yeah you can play bowling um down still in the shell shock. yeah a little bit a little yeah. bit mm-hmm. yeah yeah a few dust buckets <clears throat> rolling around oh well that's good yeah and yeah. here we are thinking about different ways to skin the cat to create value absolutely absolutely yeah. so we had the sydney v melbourne hard in your head <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or how to destroy it i don't know but here we are and we're off the back of last week understanding how to create it to a degree open up this sort of series of conversations creating value and capturing it and everything that lies in between that and what i liked about last week was really digging in i suppose into the different ways that value changes in terms of how it is created at the moment we use a lot of sport analogies for anyone who wasn't here last week um to talk about how value is created in a sporting arena and sort of now how it's splintered and how different people are creating value but then the actual net of capturing that value is very concentrated absolutely um and then we sort of took that out further into life and what that looks like but today we're going to go into the different models i suppose of creating value or different techniques absolutely absolutely and i think last week what's what's great about um is ecosystems so this what's starting to happen everywhere in life is that we're consolidating around certain entities and then there's you know kind of bigger fish smaller fish but everyone's kind of um together like your analogy of a net um pulled together and there is um yeah there's um i think there's a reliance between between everyone and certainly like we were talking last week in in a sports context around for example like the premier league um and how that's now built an ecosystem around it that one it controls it it sells rights etc so there's money generation back 
to the clubs. But then the fans are also finding ways to actually make um, revenue models out of actually being a fan of, of the club. And when you start to think about value, however you look at it, what you're trying to do is find something that um, is not just a, well, it has to be a model that allows you to create value. So certainly kind of looking at different ways you can create um, revenue streams or kind of value streams coming off of it is, is one way you should always try to approach value mm-hmm. is thinking about how based off of this how can i do a few things that are going to create something not just as new but it actually you know the truth is in the word it has to have value in the world it's true and it's like that ecosystem approach to creating value i think maybe not as new but i suppose the new piece of that is like a good brand or a good organization always allows different people to see unique value in it for themselves that ties into their own story but now as we said uh, last week people have an opportunity to create a revenue stream off that unique value that they perceive to then create that and then to feed it into them their own coffers essentially yeah which is pretty unique and i think people are starting to figure out ways to allow that ecosystem to flourish i suppose for people to attribute and ascribe their own meaning to a brand and i think that's a cool way for people to be able to approach, but tricky, I suppose. Yeah. Like, so for some old legacy brands, particularly, like, how do you shift and change that? And it's interesting to try and watch that happen and mm. what that means. And now we're heading into Web 5, according to Jack Dorsey, or yeah. Web 3, according to a few others, but <laughs> yeah. pushing the frontiers and sort of pushing the envelope for that idea. Because I think when I said net, I meant more we've got Facebook, we've got Google yeah. actually capturing it. Mm. Whereas I think the argument is that a lot of these small players are creating a lot more value than what they're actually getting and that this net isn't actually doing that much no. for to be able to rectify why they're actually getting that much value, which is a huge amount of cream. It's yeah. pretty much the whole milk tub. Yeah, yeah. And I think when you when you when you step back from that and you look at it, what's that's happened in probably every industry over over time. So if you think where we stand today is that it's the digitization of of our world in terms of the way that we can, you know, transact and interact is becoming much more um, centered around the ability of technology to connect us and really get over the tyranny of distance. Yeah. So the world (laughs) the world's now small, right? So the world However you want to be able to um, interact with people, you can. But in doing that, you see this, for example, you saw this in um, in America during the during the kind of the, the 1800, late 1800s, early um, 1900s, where the railroads were exactly this. So the railroads controlled everything. And yeah. then it switched to kind of then the oil companies controlling everything in terms of these big businesses. But as you see, what happens over time is you tend to get these still these big businesses but then you get all of these other chunks of people who've looked at that and found a different way to to add to it mm-hmm. so you know you can make the analogy for the for the oil companies there are people who took it out of the ground then there are people who figured out better ways to refine it better ways to create new product out of it better ways to distribute it better ways to sell it um, and then you get all of this innovation that starts to come around and what it is is actually it's additive value so rather than looking at Google and Facebook and going, oh, what do I do with all of this? People are looking at them and going, okay, how do I take that as an input and find a different way to, to do it? Knowing that really the technology that they've pioneered 
Facebook is broadly about um, social currency and kind of a social graph that sits underneath it. So you can look at that and go, okay, well, what they figured out is how close and proximate we are and how similar we are. But there's lots of different ways to create value around that. But people are going, maybe that's not through Instagram shopping, or maybe that's not through it. Voila, you see things like Shopify kind of pop up, which is that, you know, really, it's a it's a better way to run run a digital it's um, more streamlined. Yeah, much more streamlined. <laughs> and it's but that's Refinery. that's how they that's how they figured it out. Yeah. Is they've looked at these things and gone, well, how do we actually kind of recombine or how do we add something to this? Now there's no doubt that you get these very large dominant players yeah. in, in all markets that broadly control distribution. But what happens over time when you're thinking about value is that that's the current happenstance that we find ourselves in. But you have to find ways to actually take out arguably the arbitrage or the kind of the rent that's that's charged in in an old world way you'd say that you want to cut out the middleman so to so to speak and this is kind of ways that people when you look at creating something new or something that has value to it you have to figure out that to make it sustainable it's so true in terms of yeah however you want to say that in terms of finding and i swear that way of creating value is really looking at that big system as you say and building value off that big system mm-hmm. whereas I, f- I feel like right now we're sitting at a point in time where people are actually looking trying to look behind that system and find new like we're at that point where it got so big it happened really quick we've spoken about this that this iteration in our life mm-hmm. whether it's fed by data or fed by just the speed of time and change in terms of the way society's moving is phenomenal and it feels like we've hit that that point not only with energy but also with some of the big mm-hmm. um communication companies and the way that they operate like it and so there's value now to be created about thinking about a whole different way of doing that and a whole different subset about around doing that and i think there's a real connection around how we have that conversation around value that different uh football fans are starting to develop value for their club and themselves and the same that's happening on online and different ways. You said it with your mate, the chainsaw guy, and him yeah. creating his own Absolutely. his own eBay, so to speak. But mm. and then that that conversation now that you need everyone; those ecosystems are really starting to sound loud, and they start small. Whereas I think the the value the value is sort of getting devalued for what a Facebook is, what a oh, no what doubt. a Google is. So it's an interesting spot. But exactly what you say is so true about creating value. If we get back to the theme of the conversation, that is hundred <laughs> yeah. um, percent a way to create great value and look at a way to, I suppose, argue your point for why you are creating value. Yeah, and part of that is, you know, the point that you're making is these things have become utilities. Mm -hmm. So it is very, very hard. Um, I mean, it's great. It's the Scott Galloway thing where he talks about kind of owning owning the rails. The real issue for us at the moment is that people who own the rails are then also kind of basically owning lots of different ways that you can actually kind of go about doing that and then they're they're too big in in the ecosystem but what tends to always happen is that there's a rebalancing that whether that's through competition whether that's through different ways of taking it on that these things do start to start to rebalance the biggest issue at the moment is really the regulation framework but again if you if you take a longer term view and you look back through history this is we've gone through this time and time again but what 
always happens is that it's the regulation plus the competition that tends and inertia for these big businesses because the bigger you get the harder it is to to move and change and be agile those three forces tend to push back against so you kind of get the you know the social thing of that people are like yeah don't really and you like facebook is a great example of this people are like meh facebook not cool so it's kind of its brand kind of affinity and people thinking this is a thing oh sorry yes (laughs) meta (laughs) meta world peace (laughs) metaversing um but they're but they're they know it as well like their gamble is actually they're trying to pivot to build a bigger universe that they can completely control where you have to like their whole bet now is, is that they're bidding on so- this change be like social in the is. real world don't yeah. be social in the real world be social in the metaverse yeah. through through us so their their whole flip is trying to go okay how do we take this insight we have around people yeah. and how do we then put them in a world that we control what right oh. so then you follow that like i follow in, that but yeah. i reckon there's a different uh like data point on that bet you think? Yeah. Like, I think it's definitely played a big bit, but there's, yeah. an, there's another skew, another slice of pizza to that what three would, slice. What would you say is the, what's the extra topping that? That's no, a whole slice. It's yeah. a whole slice. It's not even a topping. It's a new type of pizza. <laughs> no, no, it's still yeah. part of the same, but it's just a different slice. And it's, um, it's, it's more, I, I keep harking back to it, but it is that piece where it's people creating value for themselves and redistributing that and and that authentic piece and that piece that it's coming from someone with passion to do something and i suppose that's where the metaverse is sort of heading in a digital sense and facebook is now just seen as a bit of a two-dimensional very one-way traffic whereas the meta is the idea that a lot of people carry with it is a place where people really create and share and move value together in a very fluid way. Whereas the railway tracks that Scott Galloway talks about so much is Facebook. Whereas I think Meta, the ideas behind it, very much like how Facebook came in. It was, it's like the new thing. Yeah. Whereas Facebook came to own the rails and it became very rail-like. Whereas I think it started very much more like a a web with lots of spiders on it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. Yeah. I think, like, I agree. I th- think what I'm what I'm trying to illustrate is that what they're doing yeah. is you think about it as a business, they're trying to pivot from away from what is their core business at the moment, which is really about selling ads in between us posting content around our kids to each other and staying in contact. And we have to, and that's become more and more driven by advertising than it has by human content yeah. because people broadly um, interact less. Like, like yes, they're still engagement but most young people use tiktok and kind of share through so i think what they've seen is going okay well this whole 2d kind of person to person thing in the real world um in kind of air quotes i.e kind of inside my phone but we feel it's real content they're trying to go okay well forget the world component of that let's just create our own world where to interact in that world so that when you step into it we control the whole thing so if we want to put advertising on a tree you're going to see advertising on a tree if we want to say that sharks are sponsored by, I don't know, <clears throat> Shark Tank, Shark Tank, then they can be sponsored by it. Or like you build your own car so that brands brands come into this world car as tank. you kind of, yeah, <laughs> like 
you might want to drive i don't know you might want to drive a porsche in the metaverse right you might want to do something like that and they will brands will be able to kind of do that i think that's what they're trying to think about but yeah. the lesson in that is that that as a pivot for them they have the capital behind them to do it yeah but it's not their core business right yeah. so kind of stepping into that space is harder from a legacy perspective it, and you see this time and time again some people succeed like ibm is a great example of going from building computers to consulting about how to actually build software they've been able to do it but those examples are few and far between and then the second thing that happens in terms of this kind of where you have to think about value kind of coming from is that government typically comes in with a different type of regulation and thirdly it's kind of people want to move on so even if kind of mm. meta makes it people know it's facebook right so this kind of this meta metaverse kind of coming across people's legacy kind of idea of that has already been tainted by what it was so it becomes incredibly hard for them to kind of pivot whereas other people will be probably further ahead probably a bit pure etc but the main thing that happens is it's the flow of capital that actually needs to go in to invest in it and one of the classic things about value is if you can't articulate the idea in a way that's actually going to get investors behind you or be able to kind of actually communicate it you probably don't have something valuable Right. It's so true. You don't. No. <laughs> no. no. You don't. You just don't. The world doesn't need another dog sweater business. <laughs> Sorry for those of but you who are unique. making... That was your idea coming yeah. into this. I'll Sorry. start to pitch you. Sorry, Bats. <laughs> off air. But they're nice, they're nice sweaters. Up. They're nice sweaters. Yeah. Oh, so you've been buying off me just out of pity. <laughs> no, they're lovely. They're lovely sweaters. I just... Uh, I'm not sure how it's going to scale. <laughs> Nan out the back's knitting like crazy. <laughs> she is. Yeah. She's been at it all night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so bless her soul. But yeah, I hear you on that legacy front. Um, hard to change, especially on a Facebook. Um, so you can feel that. And then other unique ways, I know you're very positioned to think about value creation. What's another, I suppose, another interesting way to create value? Do you ever feel like there's a way to create it where it's, it's it is completely like where do you see do you debunk the idea that something completely new can be created or is it always off something else um so there's no such thing as new in, yeah in my mind and ever ever like yeah. this yes we get really breakthrough ideas but even if you look at um the internet. The internet is not a new idea. Yeah. What it what it was was basically how can we actually take the way that signals go through the telephone to actually communicate. The telephone wasn't a new idea that was built off of Morse code. Morse code wasn't a new idea that was built off of letters. Letters weren't a new idea. They were built off of kind of us figuring out how to write. So it, it all comes back to a certain point where it's all iterative. Yeah. But you have to think arguably to create new value in, in three three to four simple ways, but the best two to focus in on are trying to find specialism. So how can we actually be more specialized than something else? Um, or finding friction. It probably my two favorites. So where is there friction in, in the in the market that we can actually solve for? So where does value get lost or where can it be accentuated in the friction thing? And then the specialization, how do we dive deep into this particular area of things and do that better than anyone else and build an expertise-based model? Like there's other ways you can do it through recombination, et cetera, but they tend to be less long-lasting. Mm. Mm. And so that is that, that friction point. What happens to... Uh, organization who sits on that legacy cushion that is creating that friction and then because we spoke about this last time you have to be moving mm. you have to be always moving so when you're picking that friction point and then you 
you are the solvent yeah. you are the the nappy cream like i suppose you've always got babies and you always need nappy cream but like mm. if you're in a market and it's got nothing to do with that and you are the solvent like i suppose you've got to pick an issue or a friction that's always there otherwise mm. yeah so it's the, gone why are you creating it yeah but the thing that in the friction you've got to look at is that is there a way to solve this in a way that is typically it's about efficiency the way that you would actually solve that so you might have a market a over here and a market b over here and a lot of times you see people make the mistake of not looking at both sides of um, any business which is supply and demand so in demand you might in this your analogy you might kind of solve the the rash piece with the nappy cream in a way that is novel but you didn't do anything on supply side to create that to further your advantage so yes you might solve that but then someone else comes along and goes oh okay well that's i can figure that part out they've done that part but i'm actually going to create a supply advantage i.e i can find it for less i can do it with different ingredients i can kind of bottle it in a new way however that is is that you've got to solve for both sides of um of that you've got to look at how do we have a um demand advantage and how do we create a supply advantage yeah and the supply affects the cost more than the Demand. But it's also a competitive advantage. Yeah. So supply, controlling supply is, you know, arguably where most of value is created. Mm. Um, certainly, even in talent, like if you yeah, think about true. kind of how, um, you know, and I think organizations are really kind of at a moment of inflection around around all of this, is that talent procurement in a demand-led space, as we've gone through over the last six months, is incredibly difficult. But kind of um, supply creation and kind of be- being able to build more of it in a unique way of looking at things, that's an easier thing to solve for. But it was just like what we used to go through with, um, it's no different than well, when we were saying off air, like sriracha, right? Yeah. So we're going to have a hot sauce crisis, which is um, which is a bit of a shame. But that, but that's all driven. That's all driven out of um, supply. Supply. Yeah. Right. So it's not a it's not a demand issue. It's a supply, supply issue. issue. But the people who make sriracha sauce and why they've been so successful is their ability to command supply yeah. and demand. They've got a great brand, and they've also got great ways to procure it. And what's, how do they? What's the what's a great way of procuring it? Is that well, like, you could build better relationships with farmers, right? Yeah. So you look at um, like Columbia um, Coffee is a yeah. great example of this and their relationship to Costco, yeah. for example. Now, Costco had nothing as a as a coffee business when it started. But what it actually went and said is that we can just do one great kind of can of coffee and we can put that up and we can sell that at X and we can sell that through volume. So yeah. that's that's great. They have demand from their members coming into their warehouses. But then on the supply side, they actually went and said, we're going to treat every coffee farmer in Colombia better than anyone else actually does. Yeah. So they created supply side advantage as well. So their ability to procure the best beans and whenever they need it is higher than, you know, me coming along and going, oh, I'll give you four bucks for that. Yeah. As an as and every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. So they've been able to build that. And then the, the grower or the supplier and the roaster on that side also knows that they're going to be able to actually sell that consistently. And they grow business off that. And they balance those two things. Ecosystem. Yeah. So if demand falls, they probably wear it. Right. So they're like, oh, we'll still buy if supply kind of you know goes low they try to manage it over here so they're able to kind of actually balance and they build it into that cost understanding the value at exactly yeah but coming back to our sriracha people what could happen to them is let's say that someone else comes along well yeah because people will replace the demand is still there but people are just going to switch out of the brand they're going to figure out a new 
well, it'll be another brand rather than like the, yeah. I forget what they call it. It's like rooster sauce, right? Yeah. With the kind of the yeah. big rooster on it. It'll be some other brand from some other location yeah. and they will lose. They'll lose share. Yeah. For sure. Oh, for sure. Mm. So true. Yeah. It's a tricky game like that. And that's where we're sitting, I suppose. I really wanted to use today, but we're running out of time was mm. around the Australian energy market mm. and just how the call around, it's like <laughs> such a ripe moment because it's, I don't know if everyone around the world listening in, but Australia is really, and same with the globe, we've been quite slow within the conversations around hmm. moving into a greener world or moving into a more sustainable closed circuit world. But we're so facing at the moment, like South Australia did, up north and central, yep. on the east coast, power outages. Hmm. And now a lot of the conversation is coming to the fore that we actually don't have the grid, we don't have the infrastructure yep. to sustain ourselves even with old power yeah so the question is how do we get and how do we it's really cool to see a narrative shift and it's coming from business because business is literally packing dax because they're like how they they might have big market share but if they're producing out of australia and they have power outages they're going to have a sriracha on their hands yeah absolutely and all of a sudden all this value that they've created is going to be washed away and it's not going to be their fault it's going to be the grid's fault Mm-hmm. So now we've got businesses starting to understand that and shift and actually create self-sustaining plants wherever they are in terms of creating their own energy. Yep. It's a really cool shift and it's moving it away from this greeny versus non-greeny or you know what I mean? It's I a do. really, yeah. it's a business problem. And when it becomes a business problem, it yep. becomes a national problem. When it becomes a national problem, action happens. For sure. So it's an amazing shift and that's been coming for a while. So it'll be great to see if we can, like what that is going to look like for Hmm. value creation, like who's going to own the rails in this new energy system. We've got a lot of business players coming in, seeing value that can be there, what that is. Um, And it feels very much like we are in the midst of it. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, it's a great kind of, um, it's a great case study and it's one that's going to be live over the next few years around um, how government kind of breakthrough and government policy um, interact. So really the breakthrough that enables a smart grid is about smart metering, right? But then you actually also have to build a smart grid. So at, at household, the breakthrough Mm -hmm. we've had here in Australia is actually that most people have a smart meter, i.e. that meter can allow you to fluctuate and kind of actually balance your own demand, but it can also tell back into the system what demand is where so that's a really great innovation it was driven through Syro, and it's kind of been rolled out through um which is our like our innovation yeah. agency here in australia and that's been driven out across which the has grid. been eaten away but still good true still good it's <laughs> still, <laughs> still hanging in um becoming frequently more commercialized which is a problem of throughout the world so that said, but that's that's the innovation that it's built on. So we can actually, we can see where the demand actually is. The issue is a failure in policy or kind of market um, kind of, I guess, shaping around this is it. So we can see the demand on one end, but what we can't actually see is the generation and match those two things because the grid is not smart enough to be able to come through. So the value creation is going to have to be on that side. It's already sitting over here. We have one of the highest uptakes of solar in the world in terms of rooftop solar here in Australia. So, and it's fascinating because I mean, even in my own experience, it's tremendous during summer, pretty average about this point point in time in, in winter. And yeah. so if we had to rely on solar to power our energy, we'd be using candles to cook. Yeah. So it's, there's a, there's a kind of thing that, so, but that's not the case 
a lot of other places in Australia that could easily be selling their rooftop solar that is boiling over this time of year back to to us. And but that's the failure that's happened. So it's it's in there that we're going to see this new value be created. But a lot of that is government can either pull a couple of levers at this point, which I think they're starting to realize is that they talk about um, it's, you know, we have a market regulator at the moment, but it's actually market failure that we're, that we're going through. Most states have cut off the supply of kind of coal, coal generation, Mm -hmm. but they are getting there in terms of their ability to Generate. generate and store the power. That's not actually the issue. It's the issue is how we distribute it. Yeah. And that's the part that, you know, will have to get solved. And that's where the value the value is. And then you you can quite easily foresee like exchanges going through that network. So you might let's say that you're living up in Darwin now Which you're it plugs yeah, into the whole idea where we started this conversation. Goes back and forth. And yeah. I could be buying my solar from you yeah right so and then let's just say in darwin it rains for four days straight which it sometimes does during the rainy season you could be buying your energy from me and that's the exchange that i think we're going to start to see hopefully is that we you know why can't the power plant be someone's home their roof etc and why can't their excess go back into the grid well the answer is is our grid's not built for it it's actually not an issue of demand for doing that type of stuff people would do that tomorrow yeah, it's so true. And then it's going to fall on the on the cost curtain. And this is where things always get interesting at a political level and at a social level and at where things move. We had it with the NBN here. Yep. It was very frustrating. It but was. Yep. <laughs> it gets divisive. And you can, I don't know, Paddy's crystal ball goes, this is going to be a long, long yep. game. But it sure. is so needed. Yeah, I'm but the not NBN, to take away the from NBN in real time was it was a success. You've said this before. It was a good thing. It's well, I'm, we can do this. Hundred percent. Where not, we are, I'm not behaving. No, but I'm saying, but it's a ten year window. Exactly. Right? So, like, if you can, but, if you can roll something like that out over ten years, it's ultimately it's government who has to make yeah, that. They decision. have to stand up and know they're going to wear that on the neck. They essentially, do. essentially, they have to nation build around yeah. around something. Which like legacy that. is so cool when you look at what you can actually leave behind, mm-hmm. yep. and if you can leave behind Australia that feels connected through its energy generation and distribution, wow, that's yep. amazing. And that's the that's I think the the notion of the Commonwealth that is, you know, like it's it's not a way to kind of create value, but like the Share Commonwealth value. historically has actually created these big things, and I think what we're seeing in this particular instance is that to unlock all of that innovation that is already around the edges then they're going to have to do something quite major around the commonwealth which is really it's the it's the infrastructure to allow power not just to go one way out of a big power plant it's allowing the grid to go in multiple different ways and the market is already and people and community are already starting to do that in terms of that you know you see everything from apartment buildings putting solar on the roof and sharing that amongst the apartment building to entire communities starting to build their own grid um, to, to kind of come through now all of those clusters and nodes are really interesting as case studies of ways that this value could get unlocked um, across the whole country but the value is already being created people are already doing this exactly so it's just the network effect and what that looks like exactly. yeah what it costs is going to be big by everyone's sitting a lot where everyone's sitting but it is will cost a lot does, um, but in the long term it's like the mbn shows you like they could take that and repackage that yeah. up and sell off that infrastructure yeah to in the someone, future case and you'd be laughing if yeah. you're the federal government it's worth a lot more than what it costs you to build it yeah that's true that's mm. true mm. 
Oh, well, there right. we go. I think we landed a watch this space for Australia over the next <laughs> 10 years. But right. I think a lot of countries are going through that, but it's very live in discussion right now, which is great. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Alrighty. So, um, yeah, so that I guess the other, the other parts of this around kind of um, value, I think is there's, there's two things. So I think like unpacking kind of those ways of like looking at friction points yeah. and a few different ways you can think about that. And then I think, so we maybe do that next episode. And then the last part of this is I think then starting to think about how you measure value. Yeah. How you measure value. You measure is, it. Yeah. yeah. I've got a measuring tape if you want. Cool. Well, I've got a ruler. So we can do that next week. <laughs> no, the, well, week, the week after. after. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Sounds All right. good. Cheers, so, See you. Thank you for listening to BAU Business as Unusual. Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's baupod.co.